listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to uh, take today... Um, to give you these 10 books, talk to you about it. These are 10 books that altered my life forever. And I'm going to talk about why. Um, don't laugh at me because they're not all like, you know, these super spiritual, powerful books. <laughs> but I will tell you why. And that's, that's why I added that at the end. And by the way, if you're just jumping on, please take a minute to share it today. Uchenna, good to see you in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, Sherry, good to see you too. Patricia, share the broadcast today. But... Uh, not all of these books are spiritual books or even Christian books, but I will tell you that all of these books did alter my life for the better. And I'm going to explain to you why, so that you can take that principle away as to why they, they, uh, changed my life. And I do mean changed the, the course of my life. You'll, you'll see that in a minute. And I want to encourage you on some things with these books today too. So the first thing is this, um, you know this as well as I do. We've taught it many times on the broadcast. In fact, one time Carolyn and I were on uh, a drive together and we were sitting and trying to figure out in, in a conversation, what is it that makes children successful when they get older? You know, what, what are the elements? Like when you're raising a child, what are the elements that make that child successful as they get older? And, um, the, we discussed it for like two hours straight, you know, breaking things down. It really came down to this, in my opinion. The, the two, of course, you know, we know following the Lord is, is a default. That's obvious. Following the Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about in the natural. And we came down really to two elements that we've kind of settled on, which I believe this, and I believe you could, you could scripturally back this up too, and statistically. But number one is making sure that that child is a reader with comprehension, being able to be a reader and a reader with great comprehension of what you're reading. I believe that's one of the main things that causes people to be successful. One of the statistics I saw uh, showed that the wealthiest people uh, in our nation are people who, after they leave school and have no more training left to do, leave university, leave leave school for good, even you know postgraduate and all that, they continue for the rest of their life as avid readers and avid studiers uh, of whatever they, not just the the field that they're in, but they continue reading other things and reading for pleasure. And so, the, one of the things that we um, we settled on in that discussion was children have to become. Uh, you know, avid readers and reading with great comprehension. And I'll tell you this first book and don't laugh at me. I was, my father has always been an avid reader. He's always been an avid reader. Uh, I always watched my dad reading books. He was always, he had stacks of books. He was always reading books. And, um, and, and it really got me into that. He saved so many of his books from when he was a child and when he was a teenager. And he had a, a library that he saved really for me of books when he was a kid, books, books when he was a teenager. 
And I remember going into my closet where he kept all those books from when he was young. And uh, I picked this book up. This was this is not the first book in the series, but this is the first one I ever read that really changed me. And this, <laughs> don't laugh at me, but this book is called Mission Moonfire. This is Christopher Cool, Teen Agent. <laughs> don't laugh at me. This is Christopher Cool. Teen Agent, Mission Moonfire. You could see if you got close enough, you'd be able to see there's a $1.50 sticker on this book from where uh, he bought this for $1.50. This book came out, let me see what the copyright is on this, 1967. 1967. And you say, what in the world is that about? This this book series, there were six of these, uh, the Christopher Cool Teen Agent books. There were six of these books. Uh, we had two of them when I was when I was uh, growing up, and then later I bought all of them on eBay. It's like a 007 series, Caden, but he's a teenager. So it's like a James Bond. He's like a James Bond, but he's a teenager going to like a prep school uh, on the East Coast, and then uh, it's like the CIA has recruited teenagers uh, to do work because they're they're less conspicuous when they're you know in public or whatever. So. Um, this was the first book that I picked up. I remember starting to read this and being like, man, this is amazing. And the reason I'm listing this first, um, and it's not a spiritual book and it's not a Christian book. It's literally just a read for pleasure series for teens called (laughs) Christopher Cool Teen Agent. Uh, the reason though is because it was this book that, um, instilled in me, uh, a love for reading. Uh, truly a love for reading. And I can remember, um, you know, I'd seen movies and, you know, movies spark your imagination. But you know as well as I do, nothing sparks your imagination like a book does because your imagination has to work uh, to, to put all, all the scenes together and what you're seeing. And so um, when I read this for the first time, it blew my mind because it, it was like, man, this whole world of reading is like, it's another level. It's, it's beyond TV, it's beyond movies, it's beyond any of that. It's another level. And I remember picking this book up and I've, I've now I've probably read this book 50 times growing up. Uh, I kept going back and reading them and uh, it just caught me and it was like the perfect storm of elements and stuff that I like and I, it just caught me. It was shortly after that that a friend of mine gave me a full novel that was not written for children, but written for adults. And um, it was like uh, the same guy that wrote Jurassic Park. Uh, His name was Michael Crichton, he's dead now. The guy that wrote Jurassic Park and and all these different um, books that were made into movies. Um, He wrote a book called Sphere, which was the first book that was written not for children that I read, and I was only 10 years old. I was younger when I read this. I was only 10 years old. It sparked my imagination, sparked my mind, and gave me this massive love for reading. Um, And and my wife and I, we were talking about this. We talked about successful people, people that are uh, uh, driven, people that are self-motivated, people that are, you know, the people that start their own businesses, those types of people. They have an imagination that's been developed and reading plays a massive role um, in their lives. And you can see that even statistically. The reason this book changed my life is because it added to me a massive love for reading. And ever since then, ever since this, I've been reading 
nonstop and reading. I'm probably at any given time reading three to four books at a time. And it's, it's just put that. It's like it, it's like it drove it home in my, in my mind, this love for reading, which never left to the, to the point, which makes me laugh. I thank God for eBooks. Now (laughs) I thank God for eBooks because when I was traveling, many of you know, I traveled with my father and my mother, uh, and I was homeschooled. We went on the road full time as my dad evangelized in the United States of America. My sister and I traveled full time with my parents. And uh, that was long before ebooks existed. And so I would take another piece of luggage, like either a big backpack or another small piece of luggage, and I'd bring tons of books with me on the road. Tons of books with me on the road. Um, good morning, Angie. And, and, and literally a separate piece of luggage just to bring books, to have things to read. We would do long drives in the, in the car, eight-hour drives, 10-hour drives. And um, I would just read and read and read and read. I love to read. To this day, I love to read very much. And that first book was the one that instilled a love for reading in me, Christopher Cool, Teen Agent. And um, I've done the same with my kids. You know, I read to them. You know, every night when they were little, um, I'd go in and if I wasn't reading a book to them, um, I would tell them a story, like an adventure story. And to spark my kid's imagination, I bought this little journal that uh, looked real cool, looked like a gothic, worn out journal. And um, Maddie and I, every night I would tell her an adventure story and then I would write it in that journal. And then on the other page facing it, she would draw the illustration of the picture of what that scene looked like in her mind. And, uh, and so I kept on every night we would do that. And then each night, you know, Brooklyn came along and I'd start ta- telling her stories and, uh, uh, Teddy came along and I'd start telling him stories and I'd craft them every night to get their minds working. And now I'm seeing it happen. You know, Maddie is, is now starting to read. She's got a little Kindle and she's got books downloaded on her Kindle and she's reading, Uh, And she's not just reading the Bible and she's reading books that are sparking her imagination. The very thing that I want to see, because I know that these two areas, um, reading and the the second area that my wife and I, through this conversation came up to, to understand was being able to write, reading and writing. As Liz is saying in the comments, I love reading. That's like my thing, reading and writing. Writing is so vital to success. If you can properly express yourself in writing, if you can properly express yourself in writing, it means that you're able to think properly. It means that you're able, and, and of course, anybody, you, you go forward in business, anybody that's watching that, that's moved forward in business understands you have to be able to write proposals coherently. You have to be able to communicate with uh, whether it's your boss or the, the staff that you're over, your team. You have to be able to properly delegate properly explain tasks. You have to be able to write proposals. You have to be able to write, you have to give the vision to those that you're working with. Writing uh, cannot be separated from our lives if we're gonna be successful. And, and reading and writing seem to be the two elements. Um, you know, when you're growing up, there was that, the phrase of the three, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. I don't know about arithmetic, but I can tell you, reading and writing are life-changing skills that and, and then, you know, today we're living in 2023, unless you're watching this sometime in the future. Um, 
We're living in a day today that writing has become easier than ever before. So you don't have to write your own book. You know, you don't have to publish a book, but book number two that I'm gonna give you on this list today, uh, and I'm not saying this because I, I wrote this book. It's not about what's in the book, but this is the first book that I ever wrote and published. Many of you have already read it. Um, and I'm not saying that because of the book. I'm saying it for this second reason of writing. Um, I realized that it's possible for me to write. When, you know, I had a burden in my heart to see young people delivered from depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and panic attacks. I had done so many youth events, so many youth camps, youth conferences, youth events, and saw this over and over and over and over. It was a burning thing in my heart. It was a, it was a burning thing in my spirit to see young people delivered from these attacks of the devil. And I started developing all these messages to preach to them in these events that they can be free from depression, free from anxiety, cutting themselves, suicidal thoughts, all of that. It was so burning in my spirit. I was like, I can't just preach this message. In fact, the Lord said to me one time, the Lord said this to me. He said, what if the believer's authority was just a message Brother Hagin preached one time? What if it was just a message he preached? What if he never wrote it as a book? What, and it took me through the great men of God, soul winning, healing the sick. What if those were just messages T.L. Osborne preached, but he never released the books? You know, went, went through all these great men of God, F.F. Bosworth, he, uh, Christ the Healer, uh, and all these different ones. What if that was just a message they preached, but they never put it into book form? It was the book form that changed the world. You know, the Believer's Authority has been published in all these different languages and gone around the world. The same with Brother Osborne's books and Brother Sumrall's books and, you know, all these people, these mighty people of God that have changed the world. It was the books that they wrote. In fact, if you don't know this, God told Brother Hagin that in the end of his life, the end of his ministry, it would be his productions of radio and television and his books that would really change the world. And it, it came to pass. It came to pass. He has Bible schools to this day in many nations of the world. And people are reading his books around the world in their own languages. And so it's very true. I wanna encourage you because this changed me, not because I wrote a book, but because it gave me the understanding I have the ability to write. I have the ability to write and produce materials that will change the world. And I mean, I, I can't tell you how many testimonies we've had come back from just this book, but this to me was a very important moment in my life because it allowed me to realize I can not only read, but I can properly write and produce these things to touch my generation and to touch the world. Now uh, we're in the process, our books are being translated into different languages. Uh, our books are being translated into Spanish, Dutch, German, uh, Chinese, and so, I'm excited about that. I have a, I have a, a desire to see it in Portuguese. And, and why? I want to see it touch the world. I would encourage you to do some form of writing. Now, let me, no, let me say this to you. I would heavily, heavily, um, yes, to, before I say this, Liz asked the question, do you think a book about a life testimony can do that also? Yes. The greatest story that you have is your life story. Thank you, Marcus. 
the greatest story that you have is your life story. That's why when, in, in many of these, when they're teaching you to share your faith, one of the things they'll tell you to do, share your faith by sharing your story first, your testimony. Because first of all, our brains as humans are wired to, to be attracted to stories and storylines. In fact, that's how things were passed down orally for many years through stories, right? Why do you think Jesus taught with parables? Why do you think the greatest public speakers of our day and the previous days were all storytellers? In fact, this has been discovered and has been written about. Um, there's a book by Carmine Gallo that's called The Storyteller's Secret. Um, he covers everybody from Jesus to Joel Osteen and on down the line. And I don't even think he's a Christian, but he's he studied TED Talks. And he said the people who got the largest standing ovations at the end of their TED Talks and, and made the had the most response to their TED Talk were storytellers. And he speaks to corporations all over the world about this power of storytellers. People are starting to realize it, like Don, Donald Miller, who's also an author, uh, called Building a Story Brand is a book he wrote, that stories drive everything. Think about the testimonials that you see on websites. Think about it. The story drives everything. And the story is what instills the principles. And so to answer your question, yes, your story is the greatest thing you have uh, to share your experience with somebody else who may be going through the same situation. And so, yes, I do think that, Liz. Um, but I would encourage every person that's watching me, every person that's listening to me, to do some form of writing and level up your writing ability, your writing game. Whether that is um, just every day taking five minutes or 10 minutes to journal, to write about what you've been doing, what you're planning to do, what's been happening in your life. Take those, take those moments every day to journal, to take notes, whatever it is. Write, if you feel like, man, I, I, I do enjoy writing, start a blog about the thing you love and write and write and write and develop those skills. I'm telling you, it's a life-changing thing and it did change my life. I'll tell you another thing that a lot of people don't talk about. And this will lead me to the third book that changed my life. When you write something, I, I can tell you this, the things that I've written books about, and I'm, I think I'm coming up on, what are we coming up on, 10 books? This next book will be book 10, I'm, I can't remember. But the things that I've written about um, are the things that I can preach with the most clarity. Let me say that again. The things that I've written about are the things that I preach with the most clarity. Why is that? Because when you properly write something, when you write, it causes you, by default, to have to formulate your thoughts in such a way that you can explain the principle, that you can explain the concept to those that are reading what you've written, right? So when you write, you have to become a thinker. When you write, you have to be able to formulate your thoughts. It's one of the reasons that it, it's, it's a mark of somebody that becomes successful. Not just reading and reading with comprehension, but writing. Because writing causes you to formulate your thoughts into a coherent pattern so that others can take on your thought process, right? It causes you to formulate your thoughts. That's why uh, 
when you start to write about things, you'll, you'll even become a better communicator with how you speak to people because you're teaching your mind how to formulate thoughts that can be then communicated to others who you want to have the same thought process that you have. And um, that's one of the things that I've noticed that changed in me is, you know, when I started to write, I noticed it put my mind on a, a different place to where I started to realize this is the best way to communicate thoughts to people. You know, one of the people that helped me with this the very most is my sister-in-law because my sister-in-law at the early stages of my writing was my proofreader and my copy editor. And, um, and she's, she knows this stuff back backwards and front, but she was my proofreader and my copy editor. And she had very, very great feedback for me in the early stages, because I will tell you, I wrote things before this that I just never published. I wrote things because really I was learning how to write. I was learning how to get something across to people, but she had excellent feedback for me. And one of the things that she did tell me is, you know, obviously your thought process is good, you know, but my books were very much like this. The Bible says this, so you need to do this. And the Bible says this, so you need to do this. And the Bible says this, so you should do this. And that's good. And that's true. And, and but, but Jesus didn't even teach like that. Jesus did not even teach like that. Jesus used parables. Jesus used examples. He used stories. And one of the things that she taught me to do was, um, because, because let me give you a principle and I want you to write this in the notes, write it in the comments. If you're trying to teach somebody something, it's not just your job to teach somebody something. It's your job to teach them in a way they can receive it from you. It is your job to teach them in a way they can receive it from you. Because otherwise, what's the point? You've tried to teach it, but they can't receive it. So at the very beginning, I even listen to preachers that preach like this. And I look and just shake my head because it makes me laugh. Because there's ways that you can say things to people that keeps them from even receiving it. For example, if you become accusatory in your preaching or your writing, right? It automatically turns the mind off, turns the mind off. You know, some of you people, like, like th this is how people preach to other people sitting there. Some of you people have a real problem. And I'm gonna tell you, some of your problem is this. And, and it's a very accusatory way of preaching, right? Let me tell you what your problem is. Some of you have a, you know, and listen, I get it. There might be people in the audience that do have a problem, but one of the things that will help you, and this is not, it has nothing to do with confrontation, has nothing to do with correction, and it has nothing to do with church government. But for example, people are more open to receive if you're teaching a principle, you teach it from a positive standpoint, but you also teach it in such a way where it's not, I'm hammering you that you are, you are the issue, you have a problem, where, well, although they do. But one of the ways that you can even phrase something is saying, there are people who, right? There are people who deal with this. There are people who think this and have a wrong mindset. Why? They may be sitting right in front of me. They may be sitting in my church, right? There might be people sitting right there that they have that problem. They think like that. But I'm not coming at them and hammering their face. Let me tell you what your problem is. No, I'll say it in another way. There are people who have a problematic way of thinking. 
There are some people that think that, the, you know, and then you teach like that. And then as you're, t- I mean, people aren't stupid. People are sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, I think like that. You know, I have that problem. I, ba- I battle that. And plus the Holy Spirit's helping you. The Holy Spirit's convicting people's hearts, right? So I don't have to sit there and feel like, let me tell you what some of y'all's problem is. Some of y'all have a, pr- you have stinking thinking. And I was like, it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden what happens to people? They shut down. They shut down because number one, people don't like to be talked down to. No intelligent people do anyway. That's why anybody that, if you ever, if you ever notice, anybody that preaches like that, they don't have a large crowd of people that listen to them. They don't have a large crowd of people like that. People that communicate properly understand that you have to be able to teach people in a way they can receive what you're saying. You have to be able to receive it. I'll give you an example too, in my writing, including myself. One of the best things you can do when you're writing, and and I didn't mean to get off on all this, but it's, it's good, it'll help you is one of the things that if you notice, when, if you've read any of my books, one of the things that I'll do is I'll, I'll, number one, you'll never feel, you don't feel accused in my books. If you pick up a principle, it's because you've caught the principle I'm writing about. Never because I'm writing. Uh, let me tell you what your problem is. I will first usually tell a story about where I learned, how I personally learned the principle and what I saw, the mistake I was making, Right? So you're going to identify with me already because you say, man, it it might be a funny story about how I I had an issue. I was thinking wrong. I was doing something that was not uh, what I should have been doing. And I'm going to tell you a story about where I was making the mistake. And it'll probably be maybe a funny story, but you you may laugh, but you're like, man, I've been there myself. I I know, I know what he's talking about. I've, I've had, I've dealt with that myself. Automatically your guard is down. Because I'm writing about me, I'm not writing about you. And then I'll say, we, one of the things we have to learn. So it's not just, let me tell you what you need to learn. One of the things we have to learn, one of the things we must do as children of God, right? It's a group, it's a group lesson. We're learning this lesson together. And so the more you take, because, you know, I get it. You know, I preach with authority. I preach, I, I have no problem with confrontation. I have, I have no problem uh, addressing things or, or confront or even bringing correction or whatever. No problem with any of that stuff. But if you're trying to get a principle into people's spirits, you've got to do it in a way that they can receive the thing you're teaching, receive the thing you're writing. These are just these are just tips that will help you do that. Because the moment you go to the accusatory route, it sh- people shut down. People start. All right, all right, I've heard. People don't want to be talked down to. People want to be encouraged. People want to be strengthened. And the, that's what the Word of God should do. So when you're writing, keep that in mind. And then stories, you know, which is why, why I'm talking about this, stories are like Trojan horses. You say, what do you mean by that? If you know the story of the Trojan horse, they couldn't breach the gates of the uh, uh, city that they wanted to attack. So what did they do? They left a gift for the city, which was the Trojan horse. And inside the horse were all of the different soldiers hidden inside the horse they built. And it was a huge statue of a horse. Well, the city thought it was a gift and brought, drugged the the statue of the horse into the city and then closed the gates. And at night, the Trojan horse opened and all the soldiers came out, as you know the story. So that's that's what a story's like. That's what a story does. It's, It's like 
It's like a pill that people can swallow, but packed within the pill, that's why Jesus used parables, packed within the pill are principles that people can receive. And it's not just, Bible says this, you need to do this. Bible says this, you need to do this. Statistics say this, you need to do this. No, let me show it to you in an example of a story and it allows you to grasp the principles in a digestible way, in a digestible way. And that's what, that's what this does. Which brings me to number three, the third book that changed my life. I used to keep this book with me everywhere. I'd keep it in my briefcase. I'd keep it with me anywhere I traveled, anywhere I went, because there, were, there was a time I was just going through it nonstop. And I don't read many John Maxwell books, but this one I kept with me. How successful people think. How successful people think. I kept this book, I highlighted it up, I marked it up. Because truly, um, it did change my life. It did change the way that I stopped to think and formulate thought, how I would formulate thought. And when I started recognizing that writing is a thing that helps you to formulate your thoughts properly, I found this book, and it was just a small book, but I kept it with me at all times. And then he gives you really 11 different ways of thinking within the book. 11 different ways of thinking. And there's a lot of practical application. And, and I'll be very honest with you. I believe this, that in our generation, there's a lot of people that do not think things through properly. They, there's a lot of people that don't even know how to think. There's a lot of people that aren't even logical thinkers. That's why many people are able to be duped so easily in our generation by uh, emotion, and, and by propaganda, it's because people aren't even logical thinkers. They don't know how to think. They don't know how to think. If something, because it's not something they teach you necessarily in school, how to think about things, how to properly think about things. And for successful people, and he gives stories, examples, as I just said, but this, this small little book, How Successful People Think, really did alter my life because you know, you think, well, thinking is just one thing, but, but there's different kinds of thinking. There's different kinds of thinking. For example, he, he talks about big picture thinking versus focus thinking versus creative thinking and realistic thinking, strategic thinking. He goes through these principles, 11 different types of thinking in this one little book, which literally I kept with me everywhere I went. And if I was on a plane, if I was on a, a, a ride somewhere, somebody was driving me somewhere, whatever, I'd pull this out and just uh, get it. And then I would, I would, okay, I've got this going on in my life. How can I take myself through these different types of thinking for what I'm doing next, for the next thing I'm tackling in my life, my ministry. And it really, really did alter the course of my life because I had never even had a concept of these different types of thinking. Because for example, one of the things he encourages you to do is if you're in a, if you're in a, um, certain type of, of the thinking process. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, if you're in a certain type of the thinking pro process, then other types need to be thrown out for that moment. Other types of thinking need to be thrown out for that moment. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, for example, if you're in the, if you're in the process of big picture thinking or um, creative thinking, for example, where you're brainstorming, okay? You're brainstorming, then anything goes in that moment. 
Anything goes. I'm just writing down ideas. I don't care if they're possible. I don't care if they cost a billion dollars. I'm just writing everything down. It's the moment of thinking where anything goes and I'm just writing down every idea I could possibly conceive in that moment. Well, in that moment, realistic thinking needs to go out the window. Strategic thinking needs to go out the window. All these other things need to, because they're limiting all of the possibilities that you could be putting down. And then once you've got that, you can move on to a different type of thinking. Okay, well, here's all the things that I thought of. Now, which one of these are realistic? Which one of these can, are strategic to my purpose, my ministry, my life, my business, and all these things? And so he teaches you how to take steps through the process. I thought this was so amazing. I've recommended it to so many different people. And uh, it's an ebook now. You can get it on ebook. But this is absolutely uh, a great book. And it taught me why the process of thinking and how to think was so vital in the life of a successful person. He talks about S. Truett Cathy that started Chick-fil-A and what he learned from S. Truett Cathy uh, who at the beginning of every month, think about this, morning Tim, the beginning of every month, S. Truett Cathy told his secretary, I'm taking my full eight hour workday to myself, I'll take no calls, no meetings, nothing. And in that first day of the new month, he would plan and think about the next 40 days of his business. And people asked him, why did you do 40 days instead of 30 the next 30? He said, because it gives me a 10 day buffer period as I go into the next month that things are already thought about, things are already planned. So he gives himself a buffer as he's getting ready to plan the next 40 days. And just understanding, these, are, these things are being employed by those that are crushing it, by those that are truly successful. I'll say this as well, when it comes to thinking, possibility thinking, being able to log your thoughts. So going back to being able to write, being able to take notes and remember, and having a system, this is an honorable mention. I won't include this in the 10, but one of the things you need to understand, I need to understand, and I had to figure this out for myself, was that our brains are not created to store tons and tons of information. Our brains are great for coming up with ideas. Our, our brains are great for those generative things, but they're not great for remembering everything throughout your entire life. Like for example, could you sit down and tell me the ins and outs of every book you've ever read in your life? Every business book, could you sit down and tell me the ins and outs all of the big takeaways from every book you've ever read. No, nobody can do that. Uh, I mean, if you can, you have a very, very unique mind, but the average person, your brain is not built to do that. And so I learned uh, that lesson that you have to have something in place, what, 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 we, what we would call a second brain system. I learned that from, um, well, his name is Tiago. Help me, Tiffany, in the comments. I always forget his last name. Um, I'll, I'll tell it to you, because he put a book out on it. The second brain system. She'll put it in the comments if she's listening. Forte, Tiago Forte. It's called Building a Second Brain, I believe is the name of the book. Building a Second Brain. Um, Tiago, T-I-A-G-O, Forte. 
F-O-R-T-E. And he teaches how your brain is not meant to store all that information at once. So you gotta come up with a plan. Early on, I started using Microsoft OneNote. I still use it today. I use it for everything. I use it for everything I'm ever gonna remember, anything I clip from the internet, anything I'm about to write, anything, any book I'm gonna write, any anything. I keep it in there. All my messages are kept in there, my illustrations, everything I have, it's a second brain system. So as you're thinking, you have to log the things you're thinking. I thought about something a preacher said one time um, who taught wisdom for his entire ministry. He said, I've written so many books, I taught on wisdom my whole life, and I never thought to keep one book for myself where I wrote down everything God ever told me in one book, and I wish that I had. It was his one regret, and he said, I wish I'd have done that. I'm encouraging you to do it, to not just read, to not just write, and as you think, but to log all of those things so that you never lose them. Because your thoughts, what God gives you, the things that God speaks to you are vital to your life and should be recorded in such a way that you never lose them. That's what these gave me. The ability to understand, I need to know and remember everything that the Lord is leading me uh, with and showing me. Which brings me to number four, this book altered my life, no question about it. Talking about the Lord's leading. It's Brother Hagin's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God by Kenneth E. Hagin. This book, I believe, is a must for every spirit-filled Christian to read. Everyone. Because the number one thing I'm seeing in our generation with, with young people moving forward with their life, it's like almost nobody, almost nobody consults the Lord as to what they should do with their life. And it's mind-blowing to me. We're spirit-filled Christians, and we know God has a plan for our lives. We know he has a purpose for us, but then people make huge life decisions. What they're going to do with their life, where they're going to go to college, who they're going to marry, where they're going to live, what careers there. All these decisions without ever fasting, praying, and consulting the Holy Spirit. That blows my mind. I can understand unbelievers doing that. But I can't understand spirit-filled Christians living their life like that. I cannot understand it. How do they go through their life not ever consulting the Holy Spirit about what they should do with their life? That's what changed my life at the very beginning. I knew the Lord called me to, I was led by the Spirit at five years old to go to the altar knowing God has called me to preach the gospel. Five years old, I was called to preach the gospel. When I was 17 years old, the Holy Spirit led me uh, away from my own decisions to the decisions he had for me about where to attend Bible school. All the different things in my life. To, you've heard me teach on it many times. Where to live, what to do, where to go next. Mo instead, of move to Virginia Beach, move to Florida, uh, you know, start a church. All the, th all the things, there have been leadings of the Holy Spirit. This is the key. This is the key. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God. And if I could, if I could transfer two things to, to the next generation, if I could leave behind something that would be instilled in your spirit to the next generation, it would be number one, a love for the Word of God, a love for the written Word of God, a, lo a love to read it, a love to obey it, a love for God's word. And the second thing would be a love for the Holy Spirit and a sensitivity to be led by the Holy Ghost. This changes everything. It changes everything. 
And so if I could leave two things to the next generation, it would be those two things. A love for God's word and a desire and a sensitivity to be led by the spirit of God. This is number four that altered my life forever. How to be led by the spirit of God, Kenneth E. Hagin. Number five, growing up with my father and being able to travel on the road with R.W. Schambach in his product tent uh, every night. Um, he had books that he offered. This book he talked about often, and it was not a book that he wrote, but it was a book that he offered from his mentor, A.A. A. Allen. That book is The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. This book went out of print, but luckily it became a public domain book. Our ministry, re and, and I thank God for Tiffany, she spent so much time relaying this out, proofreading it, checking it, laid this book out and reprinted it. This is now available once again through our ministry. If you go to our website, shop.miracleword.com, this was an out of print book. It's now, I've offered it again. It's an amazing book. The Price of God's Miracle Working Power by A.A. Uh, a. Allen, who was a mighty, mighty man of God during the Voice of Healing revival uh, after World War II. Many creative miracles performed in his ministry. And he was seeing no miracles in his ministry. And he was frustrated. And so he said, I'm going to lock myself in a room and I'm going to fast and pray until the Lord speaks to me about what I need to do to see miracles in my life and ministry. This book is the result of what Jesus told him when he appeared to him in his closet during that time of prayer and fasting and showed him every step you need to take. If you want to have miracles in your life and ministry, I highly recommend this book. It changed my life and my hunger for God. The Price of God's Miracle Working Power by A.A. Allen. Again, this book is available that you can get it on our website, shop.miracleword.com. If you want to get it, we even have a, a version of it that you can see um, on, on Amazon as well, if you want to get it from Amazon. And so it will change you. Um, the next book that without a doubt changed my life, it, it put this adventurous side into me of, I want to see God move in magnificent ways. I want to see God move in extravagant ways. And just the story, again, we're back to story. The story caught me. The story caught me this is book number six, by the way. The story hit me so hard, and I don't even know if you can get this anymore, uh, but you might be able to find the video version on YouTube. Dr. Lester Sumrall's Bitten by Devils. Bitten by Devils. This story, if you've never read this story, this uh, girl, Clarita Villanueva, um, was demon-possessed. And this was in uh, the Philippines. It was Manila. And she was fully demon-possessed. She was in jail. And she would be bitten in her cell by herself. Demons, unseen, unseen forces would bite her skin. She would have bite marks on her body in places that she could not bite herself. Like on her back and places like that where she couldn't have reached. Demons would bite her unseen forces. And Dr. Summerall heard this story on the radio as he was praying that God would give him revival in the Philippines. 
And this was the open door to revival. And this story opened up that nation. And there's still a large church to the, today uh, there in Manila that came out of that revival that Dr. Sumrall held right in Manila. And uh, Pastor David Sumrall pastors that church in Manila, still a very large church out of this revival that was uh, uh, formed after this miracle took place where Dr. Summerall cast the demons out of this girl, cast the demons out of this girl, um, Clarita Villanueva, um, bitten by devils. If you can get this online, get this. I believe if you'll search for the PDF, somebody may have put the free PDF of this bo uh, book um, on online. Right now, there are some disputes going on over Dr. Summerall's estate, so you can't get his books currently. Uh, but if you search the internet, Bitten by Devils, Dr. Lester Summerall, you may find the free PDF of that. It's worth reading because this put into me a desire to see God move in extravagant ways. Also, the book that he wrote, Adventuring with Christ, same type of thing. Very same type of thing. Uh, the, the, I mean, it's, it's a book that would blow your mind. In fact, I would, I would encourage you to get both if you can find them. Adventuring with Christ, Dr. Lester Summerall, Bitten by Devils. Um, Ashley said there's a video on YouTube of it as well. Yes, there is. I would encourage you to watch that. But if you can get it and read it. But also, Adventuring with Christ, along with that one. The things that happened before there were worldwide communications or cell phones or email, God led Dr. Summerall around the world in a miraculous fashion. It put the desire in me to see God do those magnificent things in my life and my ministry. I, I encourage you to get both of those. Um, number seven, no question. Understanding Financial Prosperity by Dr. David Oyedepo. Bishop Oyedepo wrote this book. It is almost 400 pages long. You can see there's a thickness to it. Almost 400 pages long. I promise you, this is the greatest book on financial prosperity that you will read. No question. This is the greatest book on financial prosperity that you will read. From a man who is fully experiencing in a third world nation where they're in a major recession and has had supernatural prosperity in his ministry for decades. We're not talking about somebody's opinions. This is tried and true proven in a place where people think you can't have prosperity and they have it at a, at a higher level than any church in the United States has it. Understanding financial prosperity. This book, you know, here's what blows my mind. You know, I'll show you something because I show people this, you know, it, they can't believe it, but you know, you people think that the prosperity message is just about giving and it is about giving, but in this 400 page book, this much in the middle, if you can see that, this much in the middle is about giving. This is the section about giving. And there are so many other things he covers in this book about financial prosperity that will blow your mind. And financial prosperity is God's desire for every believer. Every believer, not some believers, every believer. God wants you to overflow financially. There's no question about it. This book will not only show you why, but how to walk in 
financial prosperity. This, and I'd read other, I had read other books on prosperity, many others. And my library is filled with other books on financial prosperity. This sits atop all of them. This, this is the gold standard in books on financial prosperity. This is the gold standard. Now, I will say this to you. Uh, sometimes it's harder to get those books because they come from Nigeria, but I, we just found something out that is so awesome. I don't know if you're an Apple user or not, but if you are, you're in great luck because Bishop Oedepo's ministry has started to release these legacy editions uh, on Apple Books. And one of them is on, and he's done them, they're topical. So there's like one on faith, there's one on healing, there's one on the power of the word, there's one on prosperity. And in those topical legacy releases on Apple Books, it's every book he's ever written on that topic. So if you were to just buy the financial pack on Apple Books that he released, it has, every, including this one, it has every book that he's ever written on prosperity in that one financial pack legacy series. I bought them all. Uh, very, very powerful. But if, if you don't have an Apple device and you want to get it, probably the best way to do it, I think now understanding financial prosperity is on Kindle. If you have a Kindle app on your phone, um, it will help you. Let me search real quick because I thought the last time I checked, I saw it available for, uh, and it was in the Kindle, um, what do they call that? There's, there's a, if you have Prime, there's a, there's a thing that you can get where it gives you free eBooks to, to download. So understanding financial prosperity, let me see if there's a Kindle version. I see that they have the paperback version on Amazon with prime shipping, um, but I don't know if there is a Kindle version of it, like a digital ebook. Let me click real quick. I don't see it. Uh, Kindle Unlimited, that's what I was thinking of. Is there a Kindle Unlimited version of it, Tiffany? Because I know you were looking for these too when you were looking for the, uh, the digital versions of Bishop Boydepo's books. I thought that I had seen it at one point, but I'm not sure. But for sure, Apple Books has those packs, those legacy packs, I would get them. They are so, so awesome. And uh, all of his books are worth owning. Everything he's written is worth owning. But uh, she'll write it in there. I thought for some reason, I don't know why I thought that there was a Kindle Unlimited version of the book. Um, let me give you the last three today. This one right here was life-changing for me. In fact, this is probably my favorite subject to study, um, you know, outside of studying scripture. This is probably my favorite subject to study. Um, and that is, and I'll, I'll come back. This is, this is the book, How We Got the Bible by Dr. Neil Lightfoot. How We Got the Bible. Um, this is a wonderful intro to where the Bible came from. Understanding how we found the manuscripts of the Bible. You know, uh, new, especially um, New Testament 
books of the Bible. Because obviously the Jews have kept the Old Testament for thousands of years, and they were kept in the temple, and they've been preserved. But what about our New Testament documents? How did we discover the New Testament documents? Uh, how reliable are they? You know, wh where are the documents? What, how do we know that our Bible that's been passed down through the ages is still the same thing that the early church had? This is an excellent intro style book to that subject, How We Got the Bible by Dr. Neil Lightfoot. And um, he was a distinguished professor of, uh, of New Testament at Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas. And this is a great overview that'll get you into it. What happened? For me, it, got a, it, it put a love in me for the, for the Word of God, a greater love. Um, I'll tell you, I love studying this manuscript tradition and transmission, how the Bible came down through the ages, how God preserved His Word, how He gave us His Word, how when others were doubting whether the Bible was accurate or not through the ages, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran, all of the, how they looked at Isaiah, how it matched what we already had, 99.9% .9 match. There were only differences in punctuation, maybe a little bit of spelling, but it was the exact same thing we have, that God's preserved his word perfectly. You know, people that think, you know, that the Bible's corrupted and the Bible's been corrupted through the ages, they don't know what they're talking about. And this gave me an even greater understanding that we can trust our Bible, that we can trust the Bible that we have in 2023. Uh, the, we, we know that this is the word of God they had in the early church. It's the word of God that's come down through the centuries. And uh, this, this will give you an excellent understanding. The reason it altered my life, it took me deeper on a path, not just of apologetics, but this love for where we got the Bible, how we preserve the Bible, how the Bible was transmitted, how we can trust our Bible, how what Jesus said has prophetically come to pass, that the heavens and the earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. That every, uh, as the King James says, every jot and every tittle, that means even the smallest marks in the Hebrew language uh, are preserved by God, and he's done that. And we have the Bible today that they had. We have the exact things that they had in the early church and in the Old Testament. We have it preserved for us today. This is an excellent book that will help you even be able to explain to others. You know, because people will say, give you an example. I got a text today. I got a text as I was coming over to do this broadcast and somebody said, hey, I was reading my NIV Bible and I realized they're taking scriptures out of the Bible. They're taking verses out of the Bible. Nope, they're not taking verses out of the Bible. Reading something like this will help you to understand why there are differences in something like the King James Version and things like the NIV or the NASB or the ESV or the NLT. It helps you to understand. They're not corrupting the Bible. There's not some evil agenda to take verses out of your Bible or anything like that. It will help you to understand that today in 2023, we have even better manuscripts uh, of the Bible than we've ever discovered. We have over 6,000 manuscripts and fragments of the New Testament documents alone. Absolutely amazing. Constance says in uh, the comments, referring back to um, Bitten by Devils by um, Dr. Lester Summerall, a person can be physically hurt by demons. Um, 
not Christians, but this girl was not a Christian. And uh, yes, demons can interact on the um, natural level, I would say. You read through the... Um, you read through the New Testament and you can see even people saying to Jesus, this demon has tormented my child. This demon tries to kill. It throws him into the fire. It throws him into the water, right? If you read that in the New Testament documents, you can understand that people that are not Christians can um, be affected by, physically affected by demon spirits. It often, Jesus, it often throws him into the fire throws him into the water to kill him, right? And Jesus cast the demon out. Uh, Tiffany said, I have understanding financial prosperity on Kindle Unlimited and it's in Apple Books and Legacy Edition, which is multiple books on that topic by Bishop Oedepo for only $13. So it is in Kindle Unlimited. I knew I saw that. So if you have Amazon Prime, then it is uh, available in Kindle Unlimited. So um, that's good. All right, two more books that I want to give you. Ten books that altered my life forever, and here's why. This is the ninth book. This is uh, the full collection of writings by Dr. John G. Lake. Now, this was put to, this one was put together by Kenneth Copeland's ministry uh, on Dr. John G. Lake. It's called John G. Lake, His Life, His Sermons, His Boldness of Faith. Um, I will say that this is not the only collection of his writings and his sermons and his letters and all that. Um, there are others that are out there. Dr. Roberts Learden put out a book, uh, a series called God's Generals. One of those uh, volumes was about Dr. John G. Lake. This is, when I started to read the stories of how God used Dr. John G. Lake, it sparked an interest in me that blew my mind. The thing, if you've ever heard me tell the stories of, for example, even the time of the bubonic plague, where he had them put that uh, contagious virus on his hand and look at it under the microscope, and they could see the the cells of the of the plague dying once they touched his hand. If you've heard me tell the story of him laying hands on the boy with stomach cancer, and the and the boy coming back totally healed stomach with his handprint burnt into the flesh. All these different stories, uh, mind-blowing. And this man had a faith like you would not believe. And the stories of what God used him to do are, are mind-blowing. And, and this gave me a desire, once again, at a greater level, to see the miraculous and uh, to seek God. This man said, Dr. John G. Lake, it also gave me an understanding of my in-Christ realities more than any other preacher did understanding John G. Lake's teaching on the God-man. Um, but this man said, if I could transfer one uh, thing to the next generation, to others that I would influence, it would be spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. In fact, I believe uh, his book uh, on spiritual hunger, God-man and other sermons, uh, are inside of this book. And so if you were to go in here, you would find it that are all the, this is the full collection. Uh, and I know it's in Dr. Roberts Learden's uh, volume as well, but um, you can find it inside here. Powerful. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. Yep, there it is, chapter nine. Spiritual hunger, spiritual hunger. And that was his desire. You get hungry for God, you go after God. 
Liz said, do you, do you know of an app that reads eBooks you already have? Like what if you didn't get them from Kindle? Uh, where did you get them from? Because I really only know about a couple, like the Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble had an app for a while. Uh, it, it also depends on, Liz, what format you have an ebook in. For example, if you have it in a PDF version versus an EPUB version, like that's what Amazon uses, that's what Apple Books uses now, EPUB. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you could read them in, in, in your files or, you know, any of the... I, I'm, I'm guessing you're a Samsung user or a Google uh, user. Um, they have an app like... Apple has files where you can just dump documents. Other than that, I don't know. They were just downloads, different formats. Probably, P if they were downloads, they're probably PDFs. I would just use a normal PDF reader. Uh, I'll say this, number 10. Final book that was life-changing for me was this book uh, by Dave Ramsey, The Total Money Makeover. Let me explain why uh, before people try to flip this off. Because people, for some reason, have such an issue. Christians have such an issue. Um, I'll say charismatic Pentecostal Christians have seem to have such an issue with, Doc, with Dave Ramsey. I don't know why, um, but I can tell you this. Being blessed is more than just giving. People, the Bible speaks of this. There are people that don't properly live their life that are putting their money into a bag with holes in it. And this helped me. There was a time in my life that I was in debt, heavy credit card debt. I, ha I had those things going on early on in my life. And I, I made dumb, you know, dumb decisions to, you know, rack up credit card debt. And there were other things that happened that, that caused me to do that. And, you know, you, if you ever sit and think, well, all you got to do is give, all you got to do is give, if you'll just give. Giving's a part of it. It's like I showed you with Bishop Oyedepo's book. Only a small portion of that book's about giving. There are other aspects of your life that you have to guard and watch if you're going to truly be blessed. It doesn't happen by accident. There are other aspects of your life that you have to guard if you're going to truly be blessed. And so one of the things that helped me, you know, truly anybody, and I believe this now. I didn't used to believe this. Now I do believe it. Matthew Bonnie Johnson said, Total Money Makeover helped me so much. This was given to me before I was saved. It ministered to me. I once was saved out of, saved me out of $10,000 in credit card debt practicing this. Let me say this. I didn't used to believe this. I believe it now. That anybody can become wealthy. I didn't used to believe that. But I'm telling you, I believe it now. I totally believe it now. You say, you really believe that? Yes, I do. Especially, I'm talking about if you live in the United States of America, or if you live in Canada, I believe with all my heart, anybody can become wealthy. And you say, well, why do you believe that? Aren't there people that are impoverished? Yes. But even though there are people that are impoverished, it might take some longer than it takes others. But I'm telling you something. I believe with all my heart, anybody can become wealthy. You say, why do you believe that? Because I see what keeps people poor. I see clearly now what keeps people poor. And I recognize that anybody has the opportunity to have more than enough. You say, well, define wealthy. I, I'm not saying, uh, and I'm talking about in the natural. 
I believe God can do anything for you supernaturally, but not if you don't have the wisdom attached to the faith. But I believe anybody can become wealthy. And I'll tell you something. What I've seen in our generation that keeps people poor lets me understand that the opposite of those things, which are all possible, can cause people to become wealthy. You say, well, define wealthy. I believe any, I really believe anybody can become a millionaire. I really do. But one of the things that I've realized is we've been tricked into not walking in wisdom. We've been tricked. And one of the things that has tricked us, and it's, it, it is marketing, it is propaganda, it is the things that we see on social media and the things we see on, on, on TV and whatever else, streaming. But one of the things we've been tricked with is pride. We've been tricked by pride. Pride has kept people poor. And it, it's, it's amazing to me that it goes with what the Bible says. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride has kept people poor. Money comes into your hand. And because of pride, it goes right out of people's hands. It comes into people's hands. And because of pride, it goes right out of people's hands. Because they feel like they have to do so much to impress other people. Got to impress them. Got to impress them with my clothes. Got to impress them with my shoes. Got to impress them with my watch. Got to impress them with my car. Got to impress them with my stuff. And I'm telling you, that's pure pride. Pure pride. (laughs) It makes me laugh. I remember Dave Ramsey using this phrase. We buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. (laughs) And it's true. And I look at Christians. It blows my mind because Christians will tell you, well, I just don't have anything. I just recently was talking to somebody that is in a place where they're in need. And I don't want to see people in need. I want to see people blessed. But you got to do what the Bible says. You can't not work a job and then be upset because you're in need. As an able-bodied person, you can't refuse. I've dealt with two people over the last couple of weeks, two different people, two different Christians that are in this position. You can't refuse to work a job with an able body and then be upset and and been out of shape because you're not blessed. No, the Bible says we've got to work. We've got to be people who work diligently as though Christ is our boss. Do everything as unto the Lord, right? You can't be upset because you won't do what you should do and then you don't have enough. No. And I'm telling you something. There, and that, that's exactly right. Yaniel is paraphrasing um, the book of Proverbs. Poverty comes to idle hands. No question about it. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 6, consider the ant, you sluggard, you lazy person. Because having no taskmaster, no Lord, they work and gather and gather and work and gather. Nobody's standing over them with a whip. Nobody's coming and checking them out. Did you get those reports done? Nobody's doing any of that. But they work and they work and they work. A little folding of the hands, a little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber, poverty will pounce on you like a robber. And so I I see what keeps people poor in our generation. I see what keeps people in need and in lack. And it's laziness, pride, having to keep up with everybody else and what they're doing. And, And also on top of that, laziness, pride, and a lack of discipline. 
three main things that keep people in a place of lack and a place of want. What are those things? And you have to get away from those three things. You have to keep away. Laziness, pride, lack of discipline. You have to get away. This, this book helped me understand that. This book helped me understand that, that I wasn't being lazy, but I did have a lack of discipline. And to a degree, I was operating in that pride, and it's so tricky because it doesn't feel like pride, doesn't feel like pride, but it is a form of pride. It is a form of pride. Doesn't mean you can't have nice things, but it does mean you don't do, I mean, God wants us to be good stewards of what he's given us. And I'll tell you one of the things that shifted in my life, of course I got out of debt quickly with this, I got out of debt very quickly, but one of the things that shifted in my life is number one, I changed my life I never wanted to be in a place where it's like, I'd love to give, but I don't have money to give. No, he gives seed to the sower. But what I found out was many sowers are eating their seed instead of sowing their seed. Am I just blowing my money on shoes and clothes and experiences and whatever, and I have nothing for God? So Carolyn and I made up in our mind. We made up in our mind. I'll never buy something for myself or for my wife or for my kids that I've not given much more to God first. He's first. He's the priority. I would never spend $5,000 on some vacation. I would never spend $5,000 on a watch. If I've never given God a $5,000 offering, that shows me that I care more about my watch, more about my vacation than I do about the kingdom of God. And the Lord knows, I told him, that'll never be my story, never. I'll never put myself over your kingdom. I'll never do more for me than I do for you. Ever. Ever. And so we made up in our mind, God's first. God is first. If you put him first, he puts you first. But how do you get to that place? By living a life of discipline. So can't you walk in the overflow? Yes, you can walk in the overflow. I am, I am as prosperity-minded as they come. I promise you that. I promise you that. You'll never hear me badmouth prosperity. I preach prosperity to its fullest, to the nth degree. God is a God of multiplication. God's a God that provides. He's a God of more than enough, but he can't help people that every time he blesses them, it goes right out the back door. You know what I was thinking about in this? is when people say, well, I just have nothing. I don't understand. And then people get all bent out of shape. Well, God, I thought God was going to bring me a harvest. He's been bringing you harvests. It's just that they go out the back door. They go out the back door. So when I talk to people like that, I try to help them see that God is blessing you. It's not that he's not blessing you. It's that you're not properly stewarding the blessing that God's put in your life. You know, it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? To be like, man, I'm going to tell you something. God's going to bless you so much that you don't even forget a budget. You don't need a budget. You just operate in the overflow. Okay. All right. But until you get there, budget yourself. Because over 90% of Americans, which includes Christians, aren't living like that. Over 90% of Americans, including Christians, are in such a financial state that if they had a $500 emergency, they'd have to put it on a credit card because they don't have $500 extra to pay that emergency. 
think about that. 90-some percent of Americans, which includes Christians, if they had a $500 emergency, they'd have to put it on a credit card because they don't have an extra $500 to pay that emergency. So there you go. It would be so wonderful. You will get there one day if you abide by the principles of Scripture. You'll get to the place where you can be walking in the overflow, won't even have to think about, you know, that kind of stuff. But you're not there now. They're not there now. And if you're not there, work to get there. Continue to tithe. Continue to sow large seed. And then what God blesses you with, steward that thing. Steward that thing. The little things add up. Steward that thing. And that's what helped me to realize. Change the whole... Change the whole course of my life. Change the whole course of my life. Hallelujah. Changed everything. And it made me so happy to see these are biblical principles. They're not like some guy's idea. It's biblical principles. Changed my life. These 10 books altered my life forever, and that's why. That's why. Now, take the principles from that. You know, what are some things you can get your kids on? Spark their imagination, spark their reading and their reading comprehension. Give them things they enjoy reading. It's, let, let me just say this, it's worth doing the work. It's worth doing the work to discover what your kids are interested in and to try different books with them, even if they're young and you gotta read to them to get started like I did. It's worth doing the work to discover what interests my child, to get them on that reading and to get them in that comprehension. And then you, reading, writing, getting those thoughts down on paper, thinking. It's worth it. It takes you to another level. Paul was still doing this in the last days of his life while he was imprisoned in Rome. Wrote to Timothy. He said, when you come to visit me, I'm in prison. When you come to visit me, bring my books and my parchments. I mean, Paul's at the end of his life. He, that's the same letter in which he said, I've run my race. I've finished my course. I'm done. But he's still reading. He's still taking notes. He's still writing. Still doing all of it. And so I want to encourage you today. Whatever it takes, make that happen for you. Make that happen for your family. It it will change you. I promise you, it will change you. Take the principles I gave you today and jump in with it. It will change you. It will absolutely change you. I'm with you all week this week and uh, in the morning. I want you to be a part of these broadcasts because I've got some things I'm going to share this week before we go uh, back out on the road again. But I'm also going to give you an opportunity uh, to sow seed today. Those that are partnering with us, I appreciate you partnering with us. You know, one of the things that I'm believing, and I'm going to pray here in a moment, is that God blesses your children, your family, head and shoulders above the rest of this world. Then it'll be so evident. I'm praying that God will make you a spectacle He wants to use you as an example of his goodness. And I want that to take place quickly. This is our year of transformation. And we've begun to declare this from the beginning of the year, that what God does, all we'll be able to say, it's the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. It's the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. So let me pray. Father, I pray for your precious people today, those watching and those listening on the podcast. And I ask you, Lord, as they're faithful, as they sow seed, as they step out and do more for your kingdom than they've ever done, as they set these goals to put you first, lift them up head and shoulders above the rest. Let this be a a, a year of such turnaround that it, it blows even their minds and they have faith. They're expecting you and it still blows their minds. Use them, make them a spectacle in Jesus' name. Bless their children, bless their grandchildren. 
I pray you'd speak to every one of us today. What offering can we give in this offering that will cause us to be blessed like that? And then give us that instruction. We'll obey. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.